Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Pure Victory Podcast. Braden Hafner here today. I'm running solo today, everybody, so if you miss Matt go back and listen to other podcasts and wait for them next week as well. But uh, just me today, but I have an amazing guest on with me. So excited to have a discussion with Deborah Folletta. And Deborah is a licensed counselor and she has written five books. That's an amazing task in of itself, Deborah. Um, four <laughs> kids, married 15 years. And I'm just so appreciative of you taking the time, Deborah, to, to spend an hour with us today. So thank you. Thank you. And let me just tell you, the books are the easy part. The kids are the hard part. Very true. Yeah, that's true, Deborah. I should have, I should have mentioned that. You had the caveat there. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we're so appreciative of people like yourself that are, are putting out great stuff like these books that you're writing and, and the podcast and everything else that you're doing. Quick thing. What is the podcast again? Just so people know. Yeah, it's called the Love and Relationships Podcast and it's a hotline style show. Right. So people call in with questions and I answer them from my perspective as a licensed counselor. That is so awesome, Deborah. And anybody listening, please check it out. It is an amazing podcast. I've watched it and it's just, it's just amazing. So also your books. And we wanted to talk about one specifically today. And that is the book that you wrote kind of on mental health. um, And it's called, Are You Really Okay? Is that the right title? Are You Really Okay? Yeah, Are You Really Okay? And you know, it's funny because the question in and of itself I think is causes different reactions from people, especially when we consider the past couple years and all of the hard things that have come with our nation, our country, Mm -hmm. our world with COVID, with 
quarantines, with lockdowns, with people losing their jobs. I mean, when, when you hear the question, are you really okay? I think for many people, the first response is that superficial, yeah, I'm good. You know, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? And we don't really take the time to dig a little deeper and ask, am I actually okay? Like, right. how am I really doing underneath the surface? And I think sometimes as Christians, we almost feel like we have to say that we're doing okay. We don't have the freedom or permission to, to realize that, you know what, I'm in a season of struggle. And yeah. so I'm hoping that this book and today's conversation in general will give people permission to go there. Yeah, that's so important because, I mean, you're right. I think that we've we've learned this kind of bad behavior of putting up this veneer, right? This mask that is well-fashioned, well-crafted. It keeps us at arm's length from people and then maybe even stops us from looking internally of what is really going on? What am I really feeling? What's going on with my heart, my emotions, my mental health? And you just stop yourself from actually having these discussions, even as a person, right? And Yeah, and when, it's so true. So true. Right. And then you can't even have this discussion with yourself and let alone others. So what are some things, Deborah, that an individual can do, you know, to maybe start asking those questions and then starting to bring down that veneer so that they can actually have these discussions and, and maybe get some help? Well, first of all, I think we have to, um, again, give ourselves permission and realize that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're healthy. Yeah. You know, when, when we come to Jesus, our souls are saved, but that doesn't mean everything else is going to be perfect as it should be. I mean, we don't make that assumption with our physical health. We don't assume that when I come to Jesus, all of a sudden my cholesterol levels are going to be just right. right. My BMI, I'm going to have a six pack. You know, we realize that there is work to be done in order to become physically healthy. But oftentimes as Christians, we tend to make that assumption with our emotional and mental health. We assume that when we come to Jesus, we're just going to be okay. All of that past trauma, hurts, disappointments, brokenness, fears are just going to vanish without realizing that we've got work to do emotionally yeah. and mentally. When we come to Jesus, our souls are saved. We're justified, but the process of sanctification is just that it's a process mm -hmm. and it means aligning our heart, our mind, our soul, our body to who God calls us to be. One of my favorite scriptures, especially in having this conversation is in the book of Mark, when the disciples come to Jesus and they say, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I really believe Jesus was deliberate in compartmentalizing health in those four quadrants. Heart represents emotional health, soul, spiritual health, mind, mental health, strength, physical health. And I think as Christians, sometimes we tend to zoom in on the spiritual health piece, right. the soul piece, all while neglecting all of those other areas. So when I wrote, Are You Really Okay? The goal was to kind of take each of those quadrants, heart, soul, mind, and strength, emotional health, spiritual health, mental health, physical health, and break them up into four sections. The book is actually broken into four sections. Right. And each section is a deep dive into those four different categories of health. And at the end of every single chapter, there's what I call a five minute checkup. A five minute checkup of, okay, let's focus on my emotional health for 
four chapters. And then let's focus on my spiritual health and, and, and on and on and asking some really, really hard, but enlightening and important questions. So, I mean, I don't know how much time we have, but we could do a quick, a quick little uh, dip into each of those areas. We could focus on one or two of them. I'm going to kind of leave it up to you. Yeah. Hey, Deborah, I'm open to anything. <laughs> and I think that this is so important the discussion of this. So yeah, we can definitely explore these areas. So, I mean, what would be the one that we would start off with then as far well, as those four? If we look at scripture, heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength, let's start with heart, sure, emotional health and realizing that again, just because you're Christian doesn't mean you're healthy. Right. And what does it look like to work on our emotional health? I think first and foremost, um, we've got to see emotions for what they are. Emotions are kind of like a volcano. There's always some pressure building underneath the surface, just like a volcano. But when the pressure gets too high, those emotional things, the pressure that's building gets too high, it will find the point of least resistance, just right. like a volcano, and it will explode. Mm. And usually that emotional explosion looks like panic attacks, depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, addictions, maybe a porn addiction or addiction to alcohol, drugs, shopping, iPhone, whatever. Yep. Like you find this behavior explodes out of you, but really it's the culmination of all of these underlying emotions that we haven't addressed, mm. haven't dealt with, haven't expressed and released in a healthy way. And so I spend a lot of time kind of camping out on emotions and what does it look like for us as Christians to identify those emotions is the first step, express them in a healthy way. And then thirdly, question them because emotions are a signal. But the thing about emotions is that just because we feel something doesn't make it true. Right. And so we've got to learn to align our feelings to God's truth. And so emotional health is, um, is so important. And I think something that Christians don't really focus on enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think that often with emotions, there's a little bit of a, you push it down, right? Like maybe mm -hmm. understanding, like if you have a negative emotion, well, what we're told to do is, Hey, I don't, I don't want to talk about that negative emotion. And, you know, in some sort of you're inciting that, or you're giving that license in your life in some weird way. Right. So I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to stuff it under the, you know, wherever, push it under the rug and um, right. just think better thoughts. Right. Or something like that. And it, it doesn't work. Exactly. Right. It doesn't work. And, and it just continues to build pressure. One of my favorite things in, in writing this book was the research that I did focusing on the emotions of Jesus. Mm. When we think about Jesus, you know, if I asked you to give me one word to describe Jesus, what word would come to your head? Oh, wow, Deborah, you're putting me on the spot. There's so many. <laughs> one word to describe Jesus. He was so balanced. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like balanced. He, mm -hmm. Powerful. Powerful. Yep. Yeah. That's you know, a good word. Good. Um, almighty. Yep. All of these words that we tend to attribute to Jesus, but have you ever put the word emotional on Jesus? No, no, I don't, I've never heard it put that way either. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you look at scripture, biblical scholars have identified over 39 emotions that Jesus felt and expressed in scripture. Wow. And that's just in scripture alone. According to scripture, if we were to take everything that Jesus ever did or felt or experienced all the stories, according to scripture, 
there, that's just a portion of who Jesus was. And the Bible says if we were to put everything about Jesus in books, all the books in the world wouldn't even contain. Right. And, and so 39 emotions just in scripture. And it shows us that Jesus was, he felt joy. He felt sorrow. He felt exhaustion. He felt anger. But the beautiful thing about Jesus and the beautiful thing about emotions is there's no such thing as a bad or good emotion because even Jesus felt these emotions. What sets us apart from being emotionally unhealthy people to emotionally healthy people is not the emotions we experience, but how we respond to the emotion. Mm. If the emotion is a signal, how I respond to that signal is what sets me up in a good path or down a bad path. We look at how Jesus responded to emotions. He allowed the things to bring him joy to be only the things that brought the father joy, the kingdom of God. He responded to his sadness and grief when he, when he was crying because Lazarus had died. He says, Jesus wept. Well, guess what he did next? He looked up to heaven and he praised and thanked the father. He responded to his sadness and grief with thanksgiving. When he was angry, he didn't just go around screaming at people in rage and and just like hurting people. He responded with actions that brought justice Mm -hmm. with, he allowed his anger to move him toward justice. One of my favorite portions of scripture was Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. According to the Bible, he felt such deep agony and sorrow that he started to sweat blood. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And what medical experts have kind of identified is that what what was likely happening was called hematidrosis, this condition they call hematidrosis, where you're under such physical distress that your body goes into fight or flight mode. And what happens medically is that your blood vessels kind of break open and, and that blood seeps into your sweat glands. Right. And, and so they, it's such a rare condition. They've only seen it in two other people in history. They never see this condition, hematidrosis. And the, the f- most fascinating and healing part about this whole experience, when I was looking at Jesus kind of going through this, was his body was in fight or flight mode, which means his body was telling him, get out of here. His emotions were saying, run. This is dangerous. This is not safe. Like he knew what was coming. Right. He knew that he was about to face the cross for me and for you. But at the same time, he didn't trust that emotion. Yeah. He questioned it. He allowed his God to be more real than his emotion. He, his, he knew his emotions were real, but they weren't always true. And that even when we can't trust our emotions, our God can still be trusted. And isn't it so incredible that even with all of those emotions, he chose to stay Yeah, yeah. for me and for you, you know, it was just, it just like overwhelmed my heart looking at the emotions of Jesus and how he responded with such health. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know that, that there's only two that recorded in history or not in history, but just that they've seen that yeah, they know. outside of Jesus. That's yeah. amazing. That really puts things in perspective for us too. Cause you know, you're right. Like he stayed and he knew what, was before him and he 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 was you know the emotion that he was feeling in that moment wasn't his his guide it was like you said a, right. it's a signal and an indicator of what maybe something else but you know our behavior often 
you know, I find this for, for people. And sometimes, you know, I've, I've encountered it too, but our behavior more often than not matches our emotion. Like our, we're kind of yes. enslaved to our emotion, right? So 100%. We, so what, what do we do? Like when we're facing that, like how do we see emotion as a signal? Because it can be tough, especially when you've grown up your whole life responding to your emotion and acting out of emotion instead of using it as a signal. I know. I always say that emotions are signals. They're not scripture. Right. You know, and, and here's the thing about it that we as counselors know emotions are rooted in something. Mm -hmm. Emotions are rooted in thoughts. So here's kind of the pattern to kind of help you conceptualize this thoughts lead to feelings, feelings lead to behaviors. If the thought is the seed, you know, I'm thinking, Oh man, I am just not good enough. I'm not going to be able to do this. Well, then that leads me to feeling anxious, Mm -hmm. right? And then the anxiety leads me to not sleep. It leads me to avoid. It leads me to distract myself because I am basing my behavior on what I feel. And my feeling is based on what I think. Right. So for Christians, the Bible is amazing. For me as a licensed counselor who is a Christian first and foremost, I see so much psychology in scripture. I mean, God knew this stuff long before we did. Mm -hmm. When he tells us to take every thought captive, when he tells us to transform our mind, when he tells us to think about what is good, it's because he knows that thoughts lead to feelings, which lead to behaviors. And sometimes we focus so much on the behavior management piece. Stop doing this. Don't spend so much money. Stop looking at porn. But it's much easier to stop the behavior when we've gotten to the root mm. of the of the feeling we've gotten to the root of the thought the belief we have about ourselves and sometimes these things are happening so automatically you know in in are you really okay i spend some time talking about the health of our thought life and our mental health and and how we've got these things called cognitive distortions which is because of our past experience or our past wounds our past hurts we have this lens that we kind of put on to see the world and how we process our thoughts. And sometimes that lens is tainted. And so we start thinking in thoughts that aren't truthful. Really what it comes down to though, is recognizing those unhealthy thoughts, getting to the root of them, stopping them. And then we begin to replace those negative thoughts and negative feelings with God's unchanging truth. And that, that's such an important discussion to have of, of understanding some of these things. Now, I just think of that individual who, you know, they, they maybe have no basis of our understanding of even how to do that or how to even start. What would you recommend to somebody? Because sometimes we, we need help with this, right? Yeah, like we, totally. on our own, we just, we don't have the tools or understanding how to do this because we've come at this from a certain way for so long. So yes. where do we, where do we look for that help and do it? Is it a community-based thing or what do we do? How do we, how do we move forward in this? Well, you know, one thing you're going to really like about, are you really okay? Is that it's not a book you read through. Right. Maybe you won't like that, to be honest. Some people probably don't like that. It's a book you have to work through. Right. There's work, there's homework, there's assignments. One of the assignments I give you is to write down all of the negative thoughts you have in a 24 hour period. Mm. And sometimes these thoughts are so automatic, we don't even recognize them. They happen so quickly in a split second. We start thinking ahead. We catastrophize the future. Oh, no, that's going to go so badly. I'm going to mess up. Okay, that's a negative thought. Grab it and write it down. Mm-hmm. Your, your spouse says something to you and you feel like, wow, I don't, I don't think they really love me. Why would they say it like that? Right. That's a negative thought. Write that down. 
You know, you get a little bit of criticism and you start questioning something wrong with me. Am I not really doing the right thing? You, you grab that thought, you write it down. And I think it starts with recognizing those thoughts and not just letting them be these things floating in our head as if they're not causing damage. We've right. got to get serious about recognizing them and facing them. Write it down in one column. And then in the second column, I want you to write down God's truth in response to that negative thought. Mm-hmm. You know, when you feel like you're not good enough to, to look at scripture and the parts that, that call you the heir of Christ, the parts that remind you that you were chosen, that you have a purpose, that you are accepted, that you are forgiven. And you begin writing those things down in response. And to be honest, replacing your thoughts, this doesn't happen overnight. For many of us, we've lived with negative thoughts. I'm 38 years old. I've had 38 years of experience of negative thinking, unhealthy thinking, things people have said about me, words that they have put on me that I begin to absorb as truth rather than absorbing the truth of who God says I am. And and we have a choice to make Mm -hmm. of what does it look like to acknowledge these negative thoughts and then face them and replace them with God's truth. This is an active process. This doesn't just happen with time. This doesn't just happen because I have good intentions. I have to actively be grabbing the negative, identifying it, and replacing it with truth. And this is why counseling can be so important for people we call it cognitive behavioral therapy identifying the negative thoughts and replacing them with truth um and for some people who are feeling stuck you know maybe they've tried maybe they can't kick certain feelings certain thoughts certain behaviors sometimes it takes a licensed counselor to help you get to the root and help you identify and help you call out some of the things that for you are so normal and familiar because you've grown up with them right but familiar doesn't equal healthy. Yeah, that's a really, really important uh, point to make. And I think the hard thing too is because familiar can feel comfortable, right? And yeah. it's it's so easy to stay stuck in those ruts because that's what you know or what we know. So to move out of that can be an uncomfortable process. But man, the freedom that you can move forward in with God's help in this is so much better than staying, staying stuck in a, a familiar kind of train of thought that is so damaging, right? And yeah, isn't it true, Deborah? Like it doesn't just affect us, but it affects all of our relationships too, right? Absolutely, because your relationships are going to be the overflow of your personal health. Mm-hmm. You know, I think my motto, I have a website, a relationship advice website called truelovedates.com. Mm-hmm. It actually started as a relationship advice website for singles, but over the last eight years has evolved into a, a relationship dating engagement, marriage, sex advice for people in every age and stage. But my main theme throughout the whole ministry is that healthy people make healthy relationships. As we get healthy, it begins to pour out of us into our relationships. As we get healthy, we begin to identify unhealth in the people around us and realize, okay, something needs to change. And this time it's not actually me. Like I have to draw a line here. Like as we get healthy, it begins to overflow into our relationships. And that's why taking inventory of our personal stuff is so important to the context of healthy relationships. Yeah, so true. So true. 
And now, I mean, we could talk for hours on this one particular area of the four, I guess, Deborah. but what's the next one that we, you, in your book that you mentioned? Um, so we have, you know, that kind of emotional component, but what's the next one from there? Spiritual health. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I look at spiritual health in a little bit of a different lens. I think a lot of times we look at spiritual health as the culmination of our actions for God, reading the Bible, praying, going to church, But I make a case for the fact that you can have all of these actions and still not be spiritually healthy. Right. Why? Because spiritual health is truly dependent on who we believe God to be, not on what we're doing. Hmm. If we're doing all of these things, reading my Bible, praying, going to church, because we believe that God is angry, that he is judging us, that he is up there in heaven distant, and looking down on us, uh, us with vengeance, then guess what? Are we actually spiritually healthy? If we don't have a clear reflection of who God is. In counseling, we call, there's a concept we call transference. What I mean by transference is when we take our own hurts and wounds and baggage and put them on an innocent bystander. Right. Um, this happened to me once when I was a, a young counselor. I was working at a psychiatric unit and one of my my patients was a psychotic young man. Psychotic means he has been disconnected to reality. He's having thoughts and seeing things and hearing things that aren't there. And so he was really struggling. And it was my job to go in and, and kind of assess him each day. And one day I go in to his room to kind of do this assessment. And he had been, um, he'd had some really difficult experiences that had brought him to that place. And I'm sitting there in a chair asking him some regular questions. And I was wearing a pearl earring and I grabbed it with my fingers and I kind of started twirling my earring. It's just a nervous habit. I'm a new counselor. Next thing you know, he looks at me with the darkest stare and starts screaming. They put, they pinned him down. It got me to safety because he was coming after me. What, what had happened? Here's what had happened. He had been through some really intense trauma with his biological mother, who was a very prim and proper person who wore pearl earrings and she had abused him. And she had a habit of touching her earrings as well. And the second I did that, all of a sudden I was her. And all of a sudden he transferred all of his hurts onto me. He was transferring. I barely knew him, but all of a sudden now I was the victim of, of all of his hurts. And here's the thing. We have a tendency to do that very thing with God. Mm. We have a tendency to take the wounds from our past, the negative experiences we've had from our parents, our family of origin, people who have hurt us, and we put those things on the face of God. And we begin to view him through the lens of our hurt, our shame, our guilt, our fear. And if that's what leads us to, to repentance, then we're not actually spiritually healthy because according to God's word, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Mm-hmm. It's seeing him through the face of Jesus, not through the face of our hearts. Yeah. And so that whole section is really kind of helping us unpack some of those hurts and, and how being spiritually healthy means viewing God for who he says he is, not for how other people have told us and the things that we've experienced. Right. Well, and you know, so often, uh, you know, we've seen this, especially with uh, men and women that are struggling with porn is shame is such a big thing in their life. And shame really tells us there's something wrong with me. 
And then it's turned. Mm. If you don't, if you believe that about yourself, you don't trust what God says about you. And then in turn, you don't trust what God says about himself. Right. So it can be really hard to see God as, you know, having that kindness, that love for us. Instead, it's more anger or vengeance or wrath on us instead of seeing him the way that he really is to us. So then it can be hard to move forward in anything, right? Because what I believe about myself really dictates what I believe about, you know, God and others, right? So it's, it can be really difficult to break free from that. So that's such a key point. And, you know, I think, have you, what have you seen that can help people start to move the needle a little bit? I mean, that's a, that's tough to answer that question. I get that because this can be a process and of growth and lifetime, but what are some things that uh, people can, can start to do? I, I really believe that a lot of times in order to move forward, we need to go back and deal with some of those hurts and some of those wounds and some of those relationships, the brokenness, the things that have been put on us and put on God from our past. Mm -hmm. And I think Christians don't spend enough time in their past. I think we want to believe that that stuff doesn't affect me anymore. Right. That, Time heals all wounds, but I really don't believe that is true. Mm -hmm. Time doesn't heal all wounds. In fact, some wounds, when left with time, if I get a bad cut and I just leave it alone, it could get infected. It could get worse with time if I'm not tending to it properly. Time doesn't heal all wounds, but Jesus can. Mm -hmm. And I think what we need to do is go back and deal with some of those hurts so that we can move forward. And that would be my number one advice. Like, even if you feel like, I don't think there's anything back there, more often than not, there is because life isn't perfect for any of us. Mm -hmm. We've all got hurts and wounds and things that might be keeping us back without us even realizing it. Yeah, it's so true. Like, I think often we, we just assume or make assumptions if we don't feel there's anything big or if there is, like you said, we think, well, that was 20 years ago. So I'm okay. Like it's, it's enough time has passed. I should be fine. When really you, you, like you said, you have this festering wound that it might be gangrenous, right? Like these are some really dangerous things to us that we just, we just pile dirt on. And, you know, we assume that life as it passes by the passage of time that we're going to be okay. And that doesn't work that way, right? It becomes this, uh, this dangerous kind of mentality that um, can keep us really hurting and hurting others as well too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm, so from the spiritual one, again, we could talk for a long time about that one because that's so important. But the next one after spiritual is, sorry, you're gonna have to fill me in, Deborah, because uh, you might pick one different for yeah. me. <laughs> mental, mental, mental right. Yes. Oh, Lord, you're with all your heart, soul, mind. Yeah. What's tricky here is, man, we're just skimming the surface. Yes, like, totally. We're, we're kind of dissecting maybe a couple pages from the things that, that, we talk about in the book, but it's hard because of time. Yep. But I will say the the key takeaway from mental health is realizing that number one, we talked some about our thoughts and that's an important part of it. But I also think it's important to understand things like trauma and how trauma affects us. Um, in this portion of the book, we also talk about the brain and what's actually happening in the brain. Mm-hmm. And then we talk a little bit about some mental struggles and mental illnesses people might be dealing with. Sometimes when we're in the pit, it's not about our character. Sometimes it's about our chemistry. (laughs) You know what I mean? The chemicals in our brain. Um, I went through a a season of postpartum depression where I was thinking right. I was doing everything. I was close to the Lord, but my my hormones just crashed and I needed medication and therapy to get back on the right track. 
And so in this section about mental health, we kind of dissect some of the, the myths that if you're struggling with depression, it must be a faith issue. Right, right. You must not love Jesus enough. Real Christians don't struggle with depression and anxiety. And I kind of talk you through my own personal journey with depression, anxiety, panic attacks. Yeah, no, that's so true. You know, I think that, um, again, we talk about the, these mindsets that, you know, if I'm struggling with some of these areas, then something must be wrong with me or I don't love Jesus enough or... Um, maybe I don't read my Bible enough, or maybe I don't pray enough. And you go down the list, right? And what a damaging mindset that is, because then that's, you know, that's something that kind of keeps you stuck and maybe even stops you from really pursuing leaning into Jesus because you just feel like, well, you know, there must be something wrong with me, right? And um, if I'm, I'm going through these things, so you just kind of stay stalled, right? Maybe in your faith or your relationships. And it's, it's just so damaging, especially when you're going through that. And thanks for sharing kind of some of the things that you went through as well. So I know that we just glanced over the mental health aspect, but is there anything else you want to add about that particular component? You know, I would say that when I went through a series of panic attacks myself, um, so I went through postpartum depression, which was one thing. And then later in life, I went through a series of panic attacks. And for me, the, the panic attacks were really rooted in some past trauma where I went through a, a significant event that I share details about in the book where I almost lost my life wow. in an emergency miscarriage. And I lost the baby and I was minutes away from losing my life. And when you go through something like that, it leaves a mark on you. Mm-hmm. But many times when we're going through trauma, it's not the time to process it because you're in survival mode. Right. When a soldier goes off to war, it's not the time to process what he's experiencing on the battlefield. He's in survival mode. But when he comes back home, many times that's when the trauma resurfaces and is like, it's time to deal with me. And so I just want people to know if you've been through trauma years ago and it's things that are starting to, to bubble up today, you're not strange. You're not weird. You are totally normal. And God is bringing things to the surface, not because we're going backwards, but because he's like, listen, it's time to heal the next layer. Let's do this. Let me take you to the next layer of healing. And so I just want to leave people with that encouragement to know that sometimes these things come up and we think we're going backwards, but really God is moving us forward to the next level. And I think there's a lot of hope there. There really is. I remember there was this mentor in my life and he always mentioned, you know, heart surgery is a painful thing but it's a necessary thing. And I think that's sometimes when people assume, well, think that, Hey, this is a little bit hard. This is painful to relive some of these things or face some of these things that that must be the wrong path because it should feel good all the time. right? But I mean, to, to, to feel better and growth and, and have health and especially on this mental level, it's so true what you're saying. Like we, we have to face these things and God is taking us to the next level and, and pulling back those layers that, you know, I mean, as he, as he does that, there can be pain involved with that, but it's, it's necessary and important and it's good stuff. It's all good because, you know, otherwise you're just staying, like we talked about kind of stuck in the, in wherever you were and can't move forward. So think, yeah, that's absolutely a great point, Deborah. And I know that we're, again, we're glancing over the mental aspect, but I want to be respectful of time here too. What is the last kind of area of health that you, your book addresses? Love the Lord your God with all your strength. Here we're talking about our physical world. Mm-hmm. And in that section, I really kind of do a deep dive into a couple of things. 
Number one, our physical health when it comes to sleep, diet, and exercise, and how that affects the mind-body connection. But then we also talk about things like burnout. Um, We talk about boundaries. We talk about taking care and protecting ourselves so we don't reach burnout. I think sometimes we just give, 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 go, 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 go. Yes, 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 without stopping, without resting, without getting refueled. Um, and, and, and we're a burnt out world. We, we think that the more you do, the better you are, but that is not really the way of Jesus. It's mm-hmm. not about doing more. And so in that section, we kind of um, take inventory of how we're doing in those different areas. So practical and tangible, right? Like often we miss these things like, Hey, I'm doing really bad. And then I've talked to people like, well, are you, are you getting sleep? Well, not, not really. Yes. <laughs> right? Exactly. It's just these simple things or are you eating well? Um, do you get exercise? Um, or are you taking on way too much on your plate? I mean, we are just not wired to do more than we're capable of doing. Right. So if we're running hot for that long, it's just a matter of time. <laughs> Exactly. Sometimes it's as simple as that. And and what does it look like to take inventory of those things? You know, I, I know it can feel like a lot. There's like, okay, the past, our emotions, this, that. But I I really hope and I really believe that this message will kind of guide you through these things one at a time, one chapter at a time. There's 12 chapters. I don't suggest you read them all at once. Right. I suggest you take even a week to read one and focus and do the homework. And because this stuff it doesn't happen overnight and it shouldn't, if, it, if healing happens overnight, it's not real healing. You know, yeah, it's gotta take yeah. time to really become a part of who you are. Um, but I'm hoping it offers people a guide, some encouragement, some hope, and some practical things they can start doing today to kind of move them in the direction of healing. Absolutely. And I, I love it, Deborah. like everything you've talked about, I know that we've just given people a snippet of, of what this book is, but I would highly recommend that you go pick up this book and work through it. Are you really okay? Where can we find that book, Deborah? You can find it anywhere books are sold on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Christian book. The um, website is, are you really okay? The letter O, the letter K, mm-hmm. are you really okay.com? And you can find more about me and connect with me or what I'm doing at Instagram at Deborah Faleda or on Facebook, same thing. Um, and then my relationship advice blog is called truelovedates.com. So I'd love to continue connecting and hopefully encouraging. Yeah, we would we would highly recommend you you tie into everything Deborah's doing. She's one of the good ones and we really appreciate her and all the work that she's doing. So important um, to have these discussions. Thank you, Deborah, for taking the time with me today. I know you're busy. We really appreciate um, you, you spending this uh, this moment of time with us. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thanks, Deborah. And everybody else that are listening, we hope you're doing well. We hope you have a great week. And we will check in with you next week. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.